0: This is East Carolina offensive of coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick. We are talking one of my favorite things, hard football, and the sports objective.
1: Into the sports objective, we continue our opponent previews. This is the 10th East Carolina opponent we've previewed for 2023. We still have SMU and then also Michigan remaining, but uh, today we're previewing the Charlotte 49ers, Charlotte moving into the American. It will be game seven for East Carolina taking place on Saturday, October 21st. And right now, to find out everything we need to know about the Charlotte 49ers and Biff Poachy's program, Very excited to welcome in for the first time from the Highway 49 podcast and also their beat writer for the Charlotte Observer. And that is Hunter Bailey. Hunter, we appreciate your time.
0: Yes, sir. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on.
1: No doubt. Uh, Welcome in. And uh, obviously a a lot to discuss. So many new pieces with this Charlotte program. Biff Pogey coming in. um, Very successful prep coach at St. Francis. Also uh, multiple stints at Michigan. So just tell Pirate Nation and others who may be tuned in about that coaching change and how things have gone uh, through the first several months.
0: Definitely, man. Uh, It's it's been an interesting change. Uh, Will Healy was fired, uh, I believe it was week eight uh, this past season, after Charlotte was blown out by FIU uh, on their homecoming game. And I think that that change was, was well overdue. uh, And definitely a productive change for the 49ers, uh, Biff Pogey, man, when he was hired, it was, uh, I didn't know who he was. I know the athletic had just done a story on him, but I, I missed that. And, uh, immediately I'm looking at, looking up his name. The guy doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. His name sounds like a sandwich. I'm just kind of intrigued, but, and then the more that I found out about him, um, you can watch the cost of winning. It's a documentary about his time at St. Francis, very insightful on who he is as a person and, why he does what he does, because the underlying thing about this guy is he's a multimillionaire hedge fund manager, or I guess he, he used to be the hedge fund manager part, still the multimillionaire. So uh, he could really just be sitting on a beach somewhere, uh, but he's choosing to be a part of the 49ers program and uh, really just lead a group of a lot of familiar faces for him. I think there's 28 players on this roster that he's either coached, at Michigan in his time there or back at St. Francis. Uh, so there's – while a lot of this is new to myself and then Charlotte fans, a lot of these players are familiar to him. Uh, but the change, the change was, was solid. Uh, the biggest issue at first was no media availability at practices, which was a huge flip from Will Healy's kind of mantra of we're going to be the most available program in the country, which I think definitely hurt him at times. Uh, So this was the flip kind of taken from a a page out of Harbaugh's book at Michigan. You know, you can't come out to practice. Uh, We didn't really get to meet any of the players uh, throughout the spring. I got one day uh, I was able to catch, catch players after practice and talk to coach, but that was about it. Um, So we got the spring game. That was the first time we saw, really anything and uh things have changed a little bit for fall camp we're able to get out and about uh watch some of practice no videos or anything like that but kind of see what's going on and then i'm sure as pretty much anyone that follows g5 football has seen, is biff poji is uh, taking no prisoners when it comes to the media and definitely making a name for himself across college football so uh, definitely a big change
1: yeah, that's a nice segue. That's where I was headed next. Um, his comments at the American Athletic Conference Media Days and talking about three questions, and um, that's what you think of us. And um, and he said, thank you, and pounded the podium. And then I, I know he also had some comments on SiriusXM talking about <laughs> how he liked to hang the media members that voted um, Charlotte last um, by a decisive margin, upside down and, and slap them silly or something to that effect. I know uh, the Charlotte 49ers have two and a half, which is the over under win total from, from Vegas on their jerseys. And um, there, there also um, were some other social media exchanges uh, with uh, Trey Cavanaugh, who is an app state um, quality control assistant or analyst and uh, someone who had a background in the high school coaching industry there in the, the greater Charlotte area. So definitely not afraid to, to mix things up. And you're constantly hearing words like chippiness, edge, uh, bad company, uh, and, talk, and talk about uh,
0: some of those things. Yeah, Coach Pogey is not shy about uh, what he thinks. And he talks about being 62, I believe he's 62 or 63. Uh, he's literally called himself an old fart. He's going to do or say what, what he wants. And uh Charlotte's just kind of rolling with it. Uh the mix-up, <clears throat> the mix-ups on social media. There's been a couple times where I'm like, man, that's it's not the best look. I think is one of them being from the area. Uh, it fires up the fan base. Uh they'll do anything to talk crap about App State. And so that that's he's definitely a PR Savant in that aspect. He knows how to when he does say something wild, he knows how to immediately come back and, uh, course, correct as far as uh, the Twitter fingers go. Uh, the, the media day stuff was I, – I wasn't able to travel for it, and I've said this a couple times. If I would have, uh, obviously there would have been more than three questions. But that was uh, – it fired his players up. He said it wasn't really a ploy to get anyone fired up. He was just pissed off, and that's kind of Biff. He just – he goes about it how he goes about it, and the athletic department seems to be behind him. Uh, they're, they're, he's biting off a lot, and I, I will say that. I mean, we're talking about a brand-new team, almost 60, 70 new players, uh, new conference, new staff, new coach. And then what he did retain from last year was off of a 3-9 and nine Conference USA team. So you're, you're not 100% sure really what you're going to get. That's why I've written Charlotte being the biggest kind of wild card is because, truthfully, we don't know and getting out there and being able to see some of them, uh, this past, this past week. And then I'll be out there again tomorrow. Uh, the team is definitely improved off of last year's team. There's definitely some areas of concern, but, uh, yeah, Biff Pogey is, he's taking no prisoners and he, they, uh, even, even out there on uh, last Friday, day one of camp, there were players coming up and trying to stop other players from talking to the media saying just three questions. And that's kind of what, the national media, thanks to them. So that's, you know, I think that's, uh, he's trying to fire up his team. He's trying to pin the kind of us against the world mentality. And if that's what works for him, then then great. But, uh, September 2nd is coming soon and, and, uh, it's about that time. Yeah. This hire reminded me
1: very much of one that coastal Carolina made a little over a decade ago with Joe Moglia who's still involved with that Chanticleer program, um, he had a background in football, but also uh, was a very wealthy, a uh, man, um, you know, much like uh, coach Poggi. So, um, yeah, it's certainly a very intriguing hire and one that, uh, turned some heads.
0: Definitely. Uh, the athletic director, Mike Hill calls him a disruptor. And I, I mean, I can see exactly why. And just the first, I mean, I guess he's been here eight months now, but the first, I guess, as season approaches, uh, when you look at the roster though, it's I mean, it's completely revamped. They've added four stars, a five star, ton of three stars from across the country, whether it be P5, drop downs, um, even some solid high school, uh true freshmen. They flipped a quarterback from Memphis, who I think will likely get a shot a couple of years down the line. Uh the uh, like I say, it's a whole different team. And when you look at it first, like we were going out there last year, I was talking with uh Tom Whitestone at SID and Every time someone makes the play, I'm looking at, looking at the roster and looking back up, whereas years prior, I mean, they had Chris Reynolds who had been there forever. They had Victor Tucker, Marquise Watts, so many of the same players that were four- or five-year guys, even six-year guys, and uh, there's really none of that now. It's uh, Familiar faces are, are few and far between for sure.
1: Taking a look at this roster, as you mentioned, over 50 new players, over half of those, um, Coach Poggi, uh, ne- nearly 60% that he has a familiarity with. Uh, I think 27 is what I counted from St. Francis Academy, and then a few from Michigan, as you mentioned, as well, and a lot of other high-profile transfers as far as the schools um, that these guys are transferring in from. Uh, so you know, what does Coach Poggi had to say about that familiarity factor? Not only is he bringing in guys that uh, he believes has a lot of talent, but um, they also – uh, have a familiarity with him and the way he likes to do things, which obviously um, if it works out uh, the way he intends, uh, it, you know, it could, it could bode well to, to flip a program faster.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, You're spot on about the numbers of new or like familiar additions. He, uh, for him, that was one of the first things I asked him was what's it like? I mean, you at St. Francis for a lot of them, he was pushing them to, power five programs year after year and now you're at this level in the group of five or I don't know if you call it power six just depends who you ask but uh you're at this level and now they're all back uh we have like for example started his career at Alabama uh, had his career best year last year at Michigan making a couple starts getting a few sacks playing in almost I believe every game for the Wolverines and then in his last year of eligibility, he wants to go to Charlotte. I mean, when you, when you think of that logistically, it's like, that really doesn't make a lot of sense. You're probably giving up some draft stock for that, but that's how much he loves Poji, how much he wants to do that. I mean, he might get a lot more opportunities at Charlotte and I'm sure he will, but I mean, he had kind of staked his claim in the starting lineup at Michigan moving forward. So when you look at when you look at so many players doing that, I mean, there's a ton of Maryland transfers, uh, Notre Dame, Tennessee, Miami. There's just a lot of different, a lot of different, like I say, P five dropdowns on this team and kind of how they mesh is what I'm really interested in the most. And I think when you add so many players, uh, if it doesn't go well, that's when it leads to the point or the finger pointing and kind of the implosion of like, okay, they've got South Carolina state in week one, then they're on the road at Maryland and then they're on the road at Florida a couple weeks after that. So there's some, some big time environments and some tough games on the schedule before American athletic conference play even starts. Uh, The overall, if they, like I say, if they can come together, could be a lot of fun, but I think as much as he doesn't want to say it, I think this is somewhat of a rebuild. I mean, you're, you're replacing the quarterback. You're replacing the top four receivers from last year, replacing three O 0 linemen, basically the whole defense. Like, this isn't – it's not necessarily a retool. You're fixing this and that. Like, this is a, a brand-new football team.
1: Yeah, it's a good segue. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, Chris Reynolds is gone. Uh, he did a lot of great things in his career. Um, but with him moving on, um, I, I know uh, one of the options at quarterback, you have Jalen Jones coming in. Uh, he's one of the, the many – had a previous tie to Coach Pogi. Uh, he is coming in from Bethune Cookman FCS program. Um, he accounted for nearly three thousand yards of offense, about twenty three hundred through the air, and then ran for uh, around six hundred. Uh, so, tell us what you can about Jalen, and uh, is, is he the front runner?
0: Definitely. Uh, I thought there was going to be a battle, truthfully, between Xavier Williams and Jalen uh, through the spring, and I had heard. Say so we couldn't watch. I'd heard it was pretty even. Uh Poji's obviously high. And you see this all the time when a new coach comes in, he wants this guy. And obviously the ties go way back with Jalen. Um, so immediately after the spring game, the two other quarterbacks in contention, Xavier Williams and then James Foster, uh, both hit the portal. Xavier Williams goes on to UCF to follow former Charlotte head coach Will Healy, and then Charlotte adds a couple more quarterbacks. They added Dom Schaffner, who is a former 49er from the Healy days. I believe he stopped at Eastern Illinois uh, this past year. And now he's back in Charlotte. Uh, and then they added Micah Bowens, who has three years of eligibility left. He started his career at Penn state, uh, redshirted there, transferred to Oklahoma, was with the Sooners for two years. He was behind Spencer Rattler, and then Caleb Williams uh, in their time there. And, He's never never played a live collegiate snap, so uh, last Friday was the first time I've seen him throw the ball. And between those two, who I think will really be in the mix for it, uh, Jones looks like looks like the more poised veteran quarterback, and that's what he is. I mean, this is his fifth college, and I believe he has two years of eligibility left. He started at Florida, never played it down at Florida. Transferred to Jackson State, played for Deion Sanders until. Uh, Deion son came in and he made it clear you're, you're not the starter. Uh, Jalen hit the portal. I believe he stopped at a Juco and then he moved on to Bethune-Cookman. And now he's here in Charlotte. Uh, So he looked like the more, I guess, poised, composed quarterback. And he's also been in the, the, or the offense through the spring. Whereas Bowens was added uh, post spring ball. Uh, I thought when you look at Jalen Jones game, He's deadly with his legs. He's definitely a dual threat. I haven't seen a ton yet of the deep ball with him. I've seen he's not afraid to check the ball down. He's not afraid to live, live for that next play. Um, he's not necessarily going to put you in harm's way, at least from what I've seen from him so far, uh, but he's definitely apt to get out the pocket. And then with Bowen's Bowen's first practice at Charlotte, uh, like I say, it was literally, literally was his first uh, full team practice and, Uh, He was on the run almost the whole practice. The defensive line was in the backfield nearly every play. Uh, He had a lot of errant throws, and he was trying to force a lot of balls at first. Uh, But he settled in, threw a couple strikes down the stretch in the team period. And uh, if there's a starter to be named, it's definitely Jalen Jones. But I do think Bowens could get some run, uh, especially in week one against South Carolina State.
1: Yeah, I noticed that uh, Jones had a touchdown-to-interception ratio of 14 to to 7. Uh, there at Bethune-Cookman, uh, which was a little surprising to me when I saw that Bethune-Cookman was two and nine. Uh, so, um, like you like you mentioned, that is a good sign. And you know, tell us about some of the skill talent that Jones will have to distribute the ball to if if he does in fact win this job. Uh, Elijah Spencer, I know, moved on to the University of Minnesota, and he was and he was a, a very Talented guy. Uh, so, you know, who were some of those receivers that Coach Poji either inherited or or brought in?
0: Definitely. So, the top four uh, wideouts from this past year are all gone. Grant DuBose uh, was the 256 overall pick to the Packers in the seventh round. Victor Tucker graduated, and Elijah Spencer, as you mentioned, transferred to Minnesota. And Elijah Spencer is a stud. He, like, he already went off in the Minnesota spring game for. 120 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he's gonna have a great season with the gophers. That was a that was a big loss. And uh replacing those guys, and then Taylor Thompson as well, tight end. He went to James Madison, he was the fourth. Uh replacing those guys, uh, we've seen some glimpses. I think if any of these guys are as talented as Spencer, then Charlotte has a really good wide receiver number one. I haven't personally seen that yet. Uh, but the guys that I think will be out there making plays, uh, Jaden Bradley coming from Pittsburgh, 6'4", 195. He's got a big frame. Uh, I don't know exactly how involved he was at Pittsburgh, but I do think he'll be the X receiver for this team. Uh, then you got Jack Castera. Uh, He'll be in the slot. Uh, him, similar to Jalen Jones, also came to Charlotte following a Deion Sanders coaching stop. He came from Colorado and When Dion said he was bringing his baggage or his luggage and it was Louie, he knew it was time to go and came on to Charlotte. Uh, He was electric in the spring game and him and Jones have a pretty clear connection. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of how that develops. I think one of those two will definitely lead the team. As far as returnees, uh, someone I will definitely be on the watch for is Jairus Mack. Um, He was ineligible last year, but his true freshman year, he was, he was solid when he had the option. Um, he, I believe he caught a, at least one touchdown. I, I think he had caught two, but it may have got caught, by, caught back by a flag or something. Uh, definitely be interested to see. Um, but if the wide receiver corpse is close to as good as it was last year, then Poji definitely did his job on the recruiting trail because the big three, as they call themselves, that was lethal. And I thought that was one of the best uh, wide receiver trios in the nation last year. Uh, as far as as far as far running back goes, guys out of the backfield, it's kind of a mix, um, and there's really not a clear lead dog in that pack. They're returning Shattered Bird. Um, he's been with the team since 2021. He actually caught the game-winning touchdown against Duke. Uh, that was his first game at Charlotte. He was an Iowa transfer, and he's been the team's leading rusher since. Um, he got the brunt of the carries last year. Uh, when I look at his game, though, especially moving to this to the AAC, I think He's more of a he's more of a scat back. Like you want to use him out of the backfield, you want to get him involved in the screen game because he can make people miss. Um, he was like special teams player of the week either once or twice last year for Charlotte, uh, making people miss on kick returns. And I think that's probably where he'll fit best. But he's also a solid option in the backfield. Uh, besides him, there's a freshman running back, four star Darrell Robinson. I think he's kind of the. The presumed tailback number one, I think he'll get a lot of options or a lot of opportunities to prove why he was a four-star coming out of Maryland, and uh, he's definitely like the spark plug. Um, And then after him, uh, Joaquin Bonga, I believe is his name, is a Townsend transfer. His teammates liken him to Nick Chubb, um, and I got to see him out there uh, this past Friday, and that's a very large human, and I assume he will be Charlotte's power back. I think he's 5'10", 230. Uh, so it's kind of the mix at tailback and the weapons are weapons are to, de, to be determined, right? It's so many new faces and kind of how they mix and who ends up on the field is I'm looking forward to seeing them put pads on and kind of narrow that down.
1: I know a season ago, um, Charlotte allowed 34 sacks. Now, how much has the personnel changed? And um, is it you know, a large influx of new talent, much like it is other places?
0: Definitely. Um, I think they only returned two starters on the O-line. They've added, I don't even know the number, Um, at least five or six power five transfers to the O-line. Uh, one of them being Kevin Williams from Nebraska. He was the number one pick. Uh, the team did like a spring game draft where they, you know, green and white draft from there. He was the number one overall pick in that. Uh, watching him and then opposite. So he'll be the left tackle. And then there's a guy, Jasper Parks, I believe that's – Pronounce it Sioux Fall, Sioux Fall. I'm not sure. That's a school in one of the Dakotas. He transferred in. He's a, another large human, 6'7, 325. Uh, he'll be the right tackle. Uh, the first practice that I saw, the, the defense, the defensive end specifically, were just obliterating them. Uh, so I think that's definitely a work in progress, but they did return Johnny King, who will likely play center. Uh, and then Panda Askew, who played a lot of guard last year and is also on the all-names team. Uh, those are two two that are back. Uh, kind of how they mix and match that, I'll be out there tomorrow, and that'll be the first time I've seen them in full pads, so that will give me a better idea. I got to see them in shells, so the reps weren't necessarily live, tackling to the ground, and I think that favors the defense um, on things like that. So definitely looking forward to getting out there and seeing kind of what's going on, um, and not as much two-hand touch I'll. See him tackle and actually uh, fill gaps and whatnot. So O line is definitely uh, revamped, and right now I think it's definitely a concern.
1: Yeah, an offensive lineman named Panda. That's 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 tough to beat. Yeah. But before we shift over and talk about the uh, defensive side of the ball, and tell us about your coordinator, because I know I know he's coming in um, from from Maryland, where he had just been named a co offensive coordinator. I, I think it was prior to the 2022 season.
0: Definitely. Mike Miller. He's a, we, we spent a lot of time kind of watching the quarterbacks work at practice the other day and he was very detail oriented and the ND drills that they were doing uh, made Jalen Jones, presumable when you think leader of the team, he was, he was chewing him out. He was chewing everyone out. Um, I'm interested to see the kind of offense pogey keeps talking about. They're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball and they're going to run the ball. Uh, I don't really think we'll see a ton of tempo out of this team, especially if they're looking to bring that type Michigan type offense to Charlotte. Um, But part of that, part of the concern is, as I just mentioned is if the O-line isn't great, paving those lanes for the run, the run game is going to be tough and kind of obviously problems stem from there. Uh, But Miller seems, uh, we haven't got a chance to talk to him as the media yet. That'll happen on media day next week. So definitely looking forward to that. But, um, Everything I've heard from him from Poji is good. Poji said the other day, he said, I'm the I'm the attaboy coach. These guys out here, speaking of his staff, are the ones that are putting putting the players in positions and Poji's doing the recruiting, the business side of it seems kind of like the CEO aspect. Uh, so definitely looking forward to getting to know Mike Miller and kind of seeing what he's all about.
1: How's the defensive line? I mean, when when you take a look at the East Carolina program, um that's something that Coach Houston over the last four and a half to five years since taking over in December of 2018, um, where, when that was you know, a, a significant uh, deficiency in the program, it's now become a strength. How are the 49ers on the
0: defensive line? Yeah, you can never have enough good defensive linemen, and uh, Charlotte really didn't have many uh, from the Bahamas Bowl game in 2019 when Alex Highsmith played his last snaps. Uh, shout out to him, just signing four-year, sixty-eight million dollar extension with the Steelers. Uh, but so after that, uh, it was on Marquise Watts who was opposite Highsmith. Uh, had nine and a half sacks in that 2019 season. Um, his career kind of, kind of, kind of slowed down following that. He still made some big plays for Charlotte, but uh, the pass rush wasn't the same, and it hasn't been since uh, In steps. An influx of talent. <clears throat> influx of talent. And I think this is probably the team's biggest strength, at least at this point. Uh, on the left side or left end is Yabioki, who I mentioned transferring in from from Michigan. He's the leader of the defense. Uh, he's very vocal. And then opposite him is someone who I'm really interested to see, uh, kind of how they pan out, and that's Damon Clowney, the cousin of Jadavion Clowney. Uh, spent three years at Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin. Didn't play a ton there. Uh, but watching him this past Friday, the, he gets off the ball unbelievably quick. And I think that that defensive end combo, as well as some of the guys behind them, Julius Walshoff, who's another Michigan, Michigan transfer, and you have Stone Handy coming from Indiana. Uh, they have a lot of a lot of talent there. And uh, kind of how they fill in the interior D-line is still to be determined. There's If there's any returning starters from last year, I think it'll be there uh, at the interior D-line and then at uh, middle linebacker with Prince Bima. But as far as the defensive line goes, I think that's the best, best unit on the team, the deepest unit on the team, and it's got a chance to be really good if they can stay healthy and put those pieces together.
1: Yeah, I was looking at the linebackers. I noticed uh, you know, transfers from the likes of Indiana and Georgia Tech, uh, Notre Dame, um, South Carolina, and a lot of these guys are 6'2", 6'3", maybe even 6'4", and anywhere from 230 to 245 pounds. So they definitely um, – you know looked apart you know so tell us had any of them received any playing time to amount to anything at their previous institutions or, or are they still looking to get on the field
0: so nakai hill green was a michigan transfer In 2021 he got i believe he started six or seven games had about 50 tackles for the wolverines he has the most experience uh, i believe he redshirted last season did not did not play i'm not 100% sure on that um, he has the most uh, experience as far as a power five drop down coming in. Uh, Derek Boykins, one of the South Carolina transfers, he's played a lot for the 49ers. He's just battled some injuries. Um, and then Demetrius Knight, who I think will probably be one of the better uh, better transfer additions, he played a ton of special teams for Georgia Tech. Didn't get too many opportunities uh, to play linebacker, but everything I've heard from him um, in practice is he's one of the best players on the field. And Passed the eye test when I got to see them on Friday, making a couple of big plays for the defense. Let's uh, say him, the returning leading tackler from a year ago, Prince Bema. Uh, Prince is another one who's battled injuries, but when he's on the field, he's he's solid and he'll serve as their Mike backer this year. Um, and then, like I said, there's a couple of young guys, Reed Williford, who got a lot of starts as a true freshman, and then Cam Burden, who saw some time. Uh, so I think it's going to be a mix and match. I think that room is very deep, and then they have. OC Kwanu, who is the brother of Panthers, I believe, left tackle Iki Kwanu. Um, he's another one that would definitely get some time come from Notre Dame. Uh, as far as the rotations, I think this these next couple weeks are huge for that. I think Pochi has been talking about playing a lot of guys. I think that's a room where we could see a lot of different players play. And I think Beam will probably be the leader of it, but I do expect Nakai Hill Green to kind of progress as he gets familiar in this defense. Because he was another late ad post the spring session.
1: Tell us about the secondary. Uh, East Carolina really overhauled its secondary. You are know, bringing in a couple of North Carolina transfers. You know, also a Elon transfer who would who had been an All standout for the Phoenix. Uh, so, um, are, are there a lot of new pieces there as well?
0: Yeah, man, it's almost completely new, and I think it's for the best. I- I know in 2021, Charlotte had like the worst yards per attempt and yards per completion defense in the league. Um, I'm not 100% sure about last year. And I say the league, I mean the nation. It was it was rough. Uh, so replacing that group was, I think, pretty much a no-brainer. There are a couple returning safeties. Marcus Robitaille uh, and then Wayne Jones. Uh, I think they'll kind of find their way. I'm not 100% sure on if they'll get starting reps. But I think the best corner on the team is also North Carolina transfer Dante Balfour. Opposite him is a Boston College transfer C.J. Burton. The nickel is kind of up for grabs right now, but we've seen quite a few faces there. And then at safety is another uh, North Carolina transfer, uh, Dede Hollins. And he was the only one to pick off Jalen Jones, uh, at least in the practice that I was able to get out to uh, last week. I think this group can really only get better. And you're mixing in a lot of uh, kind of seeing what they do on the field, I think is still to be determined because this is another spot where, again, these guys haven't played a ton. And really that North Carolina secondary wasn't very good, hasn't been very good. So you really don't know what you're going to get with those guys. Kind of how they, like I say, it can only get better. And I really think, I mean, everything's on a string, right? If the D line is better, it's going to make those corners look better. And I think this group is, at least the front four is much improved from seasons past. So we shall see.
1: Still being three weeks away from the season opener against South Carolina State. And there may not be but so much you can tell me. But um what what can you what can you tell us about the 49ers special teams?
0: Yeah, it's it's another whole new new look. They added Grant gonya, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. He's a punter. Uh Bailey Rice, who was a pretty solid kicker. Um, they told hit hit the portal, um, and then or he was also a punter, um, and he was – I believe he had some kind of all-conference awards. Uh, He was a rugby-style punter. And then they had Braden McAllister, who was a a five-star Coles kicker. Uh, He redshirted this past season. And the state uh, who will come to town in week three for this year. I'm not 100% sure on kicker. I haven't gotten to watch a lot of the special teams work yet. They they do this thing with Charlotte where it's like the offense and defense is on the regular, like the Jerry Richardson Stadium field, and then special teams are on the practice field. So I'll sneak over there and watch some of them at some point, but I don't have too much uh, in-depth analysis for those.
1: Bear with me for a moment, as we uh, we had some technical difficulties I um, thought you had frozen up on us there, but I think we're good to go now uh, taking a look at the schedule you mentioned you know challenging non conference slate that in in addition to um the trip to maryland uh, you, you also referenced that trip to the swamp to take on uh, Billy Napier and the gators
0: yes sir they uh They've got some big games. So apologies. Apologies for the technical difficulty. Not sure what's going on. But uh they've got some fun road environments this year. I think College Park is definitely circled. Um, like I said, so many Maryland transfers, Poji coached there for years. Uh that game is that should be a lot of fun. Um, I'll definitely get up there for that one. And then going to the swamp, that's athletic director Mike Hill, that's where he came from. Um and
1: I believe Hunter is frozen. Um, hopefully he'll be back with us momentarily here. But uh, you're taking a look at the 49ers schedule, open against South Carolina State, then travel to Maryland, uh, then Georgia State. Um, that's a program the Pirates know how dangerous the Panthers can be. Mm-hmm. And very kind of Jekyll and Hyde. That program has been um, definitely more success than not under Sean Elliott but um, they've had some puzzling losses when you thought they may be able to contend in the Sun Belt, and then they go, the 49ers, that is, go to the Swamp to round out non-conference play in game four against the Gators. Uh, Hunter has now rejoined us. Can, Sorry, okay. No problem. Yeah, got to love internet, man. And uh, go ahead and uh, continue on. I think you were, maybe you're starting to talk about the Florida game
0: or something. Yes, sir. So going to Florida is big for Charlotte, uh, specifically for athletic director Mike Hill. That's where he came from, uh, come from the Gators. He was on that staff as an assistant AD for, I believe, almost 20 years. Uh, so that's that's big for him. I think he probably pulled some strings to get it to be a night game. Uh, but they got, they've got they got some primetime games this season. The one at Maryland is at, on NBC at 7.30 p.m. Uh, that's probably the biggest scheduled game Charlotte's ever had. And then going from there, I mean, obviously the trip to ECU is going to be a ton of fun. I think I know Charlotte's fan base is fired up for it. I assume East Carolina's is as well. And then they've got FAU at home. They've got Navy for homecoming, which is already sold out. And then they've got Memphis for home or Memphis at home. Uh, So definitely a lot of of fun games on the schedule this year. Should be interesting.
1: Yeah, that definitely works out well for Charlotte um, after that. September 30th trip to Dallas for a challenging game against a team that's expected to be a conference title contender in SMU. Uh, you have um, Navy, but you have the open date in between, so that works well to have that extra time. Even though it's going to be a different version, you're still going to be preparing for the option first year for Brian Newberry there in Annapolis. And then, um, like you mentioned, the next week after that Navy game, the trip to Greenville, and um, and that's one – that uh, i know mike hill i listened to the podcast that you had about a month ago with the athletic director of the 49ers and he was just saying that um, east carolina you know came to charlotte's aid in getting into the american and he appreciated that and he looks forward to this rivalry um, and, i mean as much as obviously these programs have met numerous times in other sports men's basketball baseball etc and um hopefully it Will develop into a similar rivalry on the gridiron,
0: definitely, man. I want to touch back to what you talked about with Navy. Uh, going back to the high school football days, man, preparing for an option team is tough and it's taxing. So, definitely having two weeks, I think, is going to be key for them there. And then moving to the East Carolina game, uh, that one should just, like I say, should be a lot of fun, Charlotte really doesn't have a football rival, right? They scheduled some games with app state. Charlotte wants to be a rivalry with app state, but it's really not a rivalry. If you, if you can't beat them and that's, that's where they are right now. Um, And I believe there's six years between games going from 2020 all the way to 2026 uh, for that series. So having East Carolina an in-state rival every year, uh, that's an automatic sellout when they come to Charlotte. And I assume it's going to sell a ton of tickets uh, in Greenville and, I think it's it's good for a fan base, right? Being in Charlotte, you can't you can't go anywhere without running into ECU fans. You can't go anywhere with running into App State, North Carolina. That's just kind of how the city itself is. And I think getting that rivalry, getting the trash talk going is key. And I mean it's it's something to look forward to, right? All those so I'm a Charlotte alum and all the friends I have from school, they're planning trips for this Maryland, but mainly this one. And that's that's part of the fun that goes into it. And like what you mentioned, them coming to Charlotte's aid to join the league. I mean, it's good for Charlotte to have a, an in-state rival and in it. it's good for East Carolina as well, because like I say, it's, it's that added like emphasis on the game. You know, this is the year. And uh, I do want to ask you, I'm not trying to still still questions on your show, man, but what do you think this is called? I've seen the booty bowl. I've seen the battle of the gold, some different ones. I think the booty bowl is definitely my favorite, but what what do you like? Honestly,
1: I haven't given it any thought. I, I did hear those those uh, that you just mentioned um, because I was listening to that podcast that I referenced with Mike Hill, and I heard you uh, mention those with him. But uh, th- those were the first. Uh, I think perhaps I'd now that I say that, I think I'd seen something on the former Twitter, now X, uh, about that. But uh, I, I did kind of laugh when I saw the one about the, the booty bowl or something.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's uh Mike Mike said you got to let the game just name itself. So so we'll see.
1: <laughs> uh a couple more things for you before we wrap this up. I appreciate you being generous with your time this afternoon. But um I had a question here on social media from Shell on Facebook. Uh, who's a Charlotte resident? He's saying now that Charlotte's in the American, are there plans to expand the stadium? I'd responded saying that there were. And I I know um, if if you would even talk about what our viewers see here on the screen, because I know the stadium's currently 15,300 and change, and this would more than double the capacity to 30,680 or so.
0: Yes, sir. So they are in process of that right now, the actual – renovations themselves have not started yet they're still trying to uh, gather donations and whatnot I believe the total to start the renovation to the 30,000 seats is 81 million not exactly sure they won't share the number no matter how hard we pry Uh, the last uh, the last thing that I had heard about it was prior to last season uh, when Healy was still on the team and he said they were nearing halfway and that's that's the last that I've heard. They won't, like I say, they won't budge. Uh, I know they've made plans uh with Bank of America Stadium, with the Carolina Panthers to if they if they were to do this midseason and were to, to need a second home, they would have that option to play at B of A. I don't think that's good for the program. Um and especially right, so they have some big home games coming here. I know North Carolina comes here in a couple of years. The app state rivalry renews. Um East Carolina will be here and when you look at games like that, it's like, all right, fifteen thousand isn't cutting it. And I mean, even the last time App State came, they sold it out and they had standing room seats. I think it was seventeen thousand people were in the stadium. And so you need you need space for games like that. And I think it's key. And it's one of the biggest things now. Joining the American is they got to show, got to show that they can fill those seats, right? And the best season in the program's history uh, seven and six, the Bahamas bowl year in 2019 early in the season, they were selling it out. Uh, but then obviously you go two and five fan base loses some interest. And then when they rallied, a lot of the games were just terrible weather days, like pouring rain monsoon in for, I think two of the three home games down the stretch. And so you really didn't get to see uh, the fan base kind of out there in full force. And so when you, when you move to this year, right, you're in the American, you've got some of these big home games. As I mentioned, Navy's a sellout. You really hope that South Carolina State's a sellout. They are kind of battling against North Carolina, South Carolina, and College Game Day right up the road. Uh, But you you hope that they get those numbers. You hope that they fill the stadium because, I mean, I think that's kind of the worst, a tough look is, all right, we're going to add, we're going to double, but there's going to be a lot more empty seats. You don't want that, I think success you know winning winning breeds that right you play a good brand of football and entertaining brand people are going to come because there's a lot a lot of stuff to do in charlotte on a saturday afternoon so i think like this year and potentially next season if it's not already underway by then it's definitely going to be huge and, and making that happen and making it happen fast
1: yeah very intrigued to see you know whether the east carolina uh, visit to charlotte next season if, if that's on campus, or if it's at Bank of America Stadium, obviously I would prefer for it to be at Bank of America Stadium, just from from a bias standpoint, and uh, having more East Carolina fans be able to attend. Um, but yeah, that will that will be interesting. And I know, I know um, looking at future games, uh, you you have in addition to some of the in-state ACC programs, Ole Miss, and they've been on the docket for a while. Uh, I'm assuming that game, uh, or, or what year is that game scheduled? And um, is it scheduled for Bank of America Stadium or still to be determined?
0: Uh, not sure on that one. I would say probably 27 or 28. Um, they're scheduling, scheduling way out. I think they just scheduled a, an away game at Ohio State for like 2031. Um, there's, I think, a home-and-home with NC State like 2029, 20, 2030. 20, uh, not specific or not 100% sure on when Ole Miss is coming to town. Uh, but as of right now, that's scheduled. They don't, they don't have anything specific scheduled at Bank of America, at least that's been made public. I think by that point, you gotta, you got to assume that they're in a, a new stadium, a renovated stadium, uh, when you're looking at 20, 28.
1: Final question for you. Uh, as you take a look at your other sports programs, obviously you've had some success. in men's and women's hoops, also baseball, softball, um, talk about those other programs and that transition into the American. Which programs do you think can have the most success the, the fastest, and um, which ones may have a little bit more of a, a learning curve?
0: Yeah, I think baseball and softball is the gimme answer here for Charlotte. They both had a lot of success this past year. I can't remember the specific amount of conference championships that Charlotte won last year, but it was definitely a record for a school. It's either six or seven across the 19 sports on campus. Uh, Women's basketball had just made it to the NCAA tournament, not this past year, but the one prior under Kara Consuegra. She's back again, and that roster is kind of reloading. They had lost a couple star players from the NCAA tournament run, but like I say, you kind of expect that with some senior-led teams. and then going, going to men's basketball, men's basketball has been a struggle. Uh, Ron Sanchez kind of left the, the men's basketball head coach left to go back to Virginia at, at a very inopportune time. Uh, Charlotte lost their two scores and rebounders from last year's team uh, with Bryce Williams going to Nebraska and then Ali Khalifa going to BYU. Uh, so there was a lot of uncertainty really, um, uh, and now Aaron Fern has taken the interim head coaching job for the year. He was recently just on our podcast. Definitely check that out. And they they have some returning talent. I'm interested to see what the new guys, the new additions bring and how these young guys step up for that program. But I think this could be a tough year in the American Forum. Um, and, and you're kind of, I thought this for football too, with like such a rebuild, such a new group, you kind of wish you had the same conference and same familiar faces uh, to kind of know how your team would match up. But this year is completely different, man. And I know five other Conference USA schools moved over, but it's a, it's a, it's a brand new age for Charlotte. And I think across campus, obviously, this is good for them uh, for notoriety, for television deals, for things like that. And I think kind of how they take advantage of that in the next, I would say, four or five years will definitely paint the picture.
1: And these baseball programs have um, met in home and home series and a weekend series, as well as, um, playing in the postseason in, in the regionals just a couple seasons ago. Hunter, appreciate your time this afternoon. Um, tell folks and see there on the screen for our viewers, how they can follow you and also the highway 49 podcast on X and uh, how they can read and hear your work.
0: Absolutely. And I appreciate putting up this graphic. It's cool. Um, uh... But definitely tune into the Highway 49 podcast. We have a lot of guests, not just Charlotte 49ers. We just do Charlotte athletes. Like, for example, we have Brian Battle coming up. He's a UFC fighter, he's a local guy uh, scheduled to fight in September. We've had some NFL guys, Alex Highsmith, Al Wallace from the Panthers, uh, do a lot of different things with the Highway 49 podcast. And then you can find any Charlotte work for the 49ers and the Observer. And then I also cover these Charlotte Hornets. Uh, for the Charlotte Post, so definitely, I appreciate you having me on, man, and thanks for plugging plugging all the things.
1: No doubt, and uh, we'll reach back out game week um, there in the middle of October, um, prior to that October twenty first matchup between the Pirates and Forty Nine ers at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium.
0: Absolutely, thanks, man.
1: Take care. That is Hunter Bailey. He is with the Highway Forty Nine Podcast and the Charlotte Forty Nine ers beat writer. For the Charlotte Observer, and and as he just mentioned, also uh, covers other things as well, including the Charlotte Hornets. But um, before we get out of here, promote some of our uh, previous and upcoming content, Uh, taking a look um, at last night's show, we had the debut of Just Another Sports Podcast. Unfortunately, Stevie Fly, unable to take part, um, lost his father um, early yesterday morning. So thoughts and prayers with Stevie and his family as uh, he he goes through this very challenging time. Uh, He he may uh, return next week. We'll see uh, whenever he's up for it. But then we had an excellent conversation, Kyle Barber and I, with Andrew Bays talking the Pirates special teams. So definitely go back and check that out. Um, On the most recent episode of Absolute Empowerment, Coach Jeff Connors caught up with Dr. George Koontz, former East Carolina linebacker and Green Bay Packers great. And then uh, prior to that, Um, We heard from Robert Jones, uh, who uh, had a very deep conversation talking about some of the trials, tribulations, and adversity he had faced in his life, um, both as a child and as an adult. Um, Our fall programming overall, uh, you also, here in a few weeks, we'll have the Pirate Preview. Uh, Until then, you know, we'll have our normal shows uh, like this, like opponent previews, position previews, and otherwise Uh, We'll have Sonny and Semenza, former Pirate tight end Jason Halter and current ESPN Plus analyst. He will team up with Matt Semenza once again like they did in 2022 to talk some of the week's most intriguing games as it pertains to the the betting odds. Um, We'll have the Inside Slant on Thursday evenings, a Pirate's Life for Me on Friday, the Upcoming episode, episode, excuse me, we'll have Zach Darty, a loyal Pirate fan and Pirate Club member. And then uh, the following week, we'll have former Pirate offensive lineman Sean Bailey, uh, who is now an athletic administrator at Fayetteville State, um, just down the road from Greenville. Um, On Saturdays, once the season begins, we'll have sights and sounds from around Dowdy Ficklin or wherever the Pirates are playing, uh, beginning with the big house as uh, my family and I will be in Ann Arbor on the first weekend of September. And then um, last but certainly not least, um, presented by l k Custom Homes for the third consecutive year, they are our title sponsor for our Pirate Football Playback each and every Sunday night where we break down the most recent game, take a look at what's ahead for the Pirates, and take your phone calls, a new feature in 2023. Um, but for everyone here at the Sports Objective, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, definitely follow us on social media, on X at eSportsOBJ OBJ, on Instagram and TikTok at The Sports Objective. Like and follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Until next time, go Pirates. Back. This is our house, this is our town, our top, every one night, copy that. Everybody in the stands go burn at of speed, light, but we don't hold back. Every foot, Every yard, every first down, every
0: touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it off get the wave going, like the hurricane y'all.